I'll be reading both the readings from Ruth 3, the whole chapter. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, Daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you'll be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know that you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He'll tell you what to do. I'll do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are my kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that you have shown earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning and got up before anyone could be, anyone could be recognised. And he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? When she told her everything Boaz had done for her, and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. What difference do you reckon it makes uh, to know God? What difference does it make in everyday life? I don't just mean knowing there is a God, but what difference does it make to know our God? Our God who's in control, who's sovereign, and our God who is kind. If God is in control, if God is kind, what would you do? What plans would you make? Or would you stop making plans? After all, he's in control. How would you treat other people if God is sovereign and kind? How would you wait when things... How would you wait uh, when you can't control the outcome? In chapter 3 tonight of Ruth, I want you to see Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and see what a difference it makes to them that they know God's sovereign kindness. And I want you to see what difference it should make to you. 
Well, chapter 3 of Ruth, we meet a very different Naomi. Do you remember in chapter 1, she's gone away and she comes back to Bethlehem and having had her husband and two sons die, she is filled with grief. She feels afflicted and she is bitter with God. She pleads with her daughter-in-law to stay away. Don't come back and join God's people. And once they're back in Bethlehem, she's so bitter and so empty that though she's the local, she knows the law that you can go and pick up the leftovers in the field. She does nothing. She doesn't initiate. She leaves it to Ruth. And yet here we are in chapter 3, and she is a very different woman. Have a look at verse 1. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to Ruth, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Do you see here Naomi takes the initiative. She initiates something and she takes the initiative by coming up with a cunning plan. Is not Boaz with whose servant girls you've been a kinsman of ours? Tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. In chapter 2, it really would have been very simple for Naomi to come up with a plan. The law says you can go behind the harvesters and pick up the leftovers. Ruth, get on down there and pick them up. The how was easy. Now as they're looking for a husband, there's a law that says someone in your family is supposed to marry the widow if there are no more sons. There's a law, but how to get him? It's a whole lot more complicated, isn't it, to capture his heart than to pick up some leftover grain. But Naomi sees the opportunity. He'll be there at the threshing floor, working all night and sleeping. He'll be there. You'll be able to get to him. And she comes up with a plan. Ruth, doll yourself up. Look your best, smell your best, and issue the invitation to this man. It's a smart plan, isn't it? And it's very risky. What if she's seen? What if he rejects her? What if he takes advantage of her? Do you see what a different Naomi this is? What a different woman she is. What has changed for her where she was so bitter with no initiative in chapter 2 and chapter 3? She comes up with this cunning plan. What's changed? Well, do you remember Ruth came back with a bag full of food? So much food after a day's work that Naomi has to ask who? Whose field was it? She was looking for anyone in whose eyes she found favour. And Naomi didn't tell her anything about who she might be looking for and who'd be a good bet to find some food. No, she just, as it turned out, was in the field belonging to Boaz. And Naomi heard that word, 
knew he was a kinsman redeemer, just the man to marry her daughter-in-law, and she heard wedding bells. And she realized that God is still sovereign and still kind. Do you remember what she said if you were with us last week? The Lord has not stopped showing his kindness. Why is she a different woman? Why does she take initiative and make a plan and take risks? Because she now knows the Lord's sovereign kindness. Do you see here? When you know the Lord's sovereign kindness, you take initiative. Some people think if you trust God, who's sovereign, who's in control, then you won't do anything. Why would you make a plan? Why would you take any action? God's in control anyway. Would you notice when Naomi did nothing? When she didn't know that God was kind. That's what stopped her. But when you know God's in control and is kind, you take initiative, you are bold, you take risks because he's in control and he is good. So what about you? Do you know God's sovereign kindness? Do you know he's in control? Do you see how every day he shows kindness to you? Do you see his kindness to you in giving Jesus? If you believe he's in control and he's kind, then you have every reason for taking initiative, for making plans and for taking risks. Are you bamboozled by what course you might do, what uni course, what career path you might take? There are so many choices, and what if you make the wrong choice? It can be paralyzing, but if you believe that God is in control and he's good and on your side, you can go ahead, make the best choice you can, and know that he is in control, do you see? It gives you freedom to make a plan and take risks. And more importantly, when you know God's sovereign kindness and that he wants you to grow as a Christian, you will take initiative to mature, won't you? You won't sit on your hands and do nothing. You'll plan to be reading the Bible. You'll plan to be praying. You'll take a risk to join a growth group if you find that scary. You'll get together with other Christians at work to pray together. You'll initiate that. There's a difficult part of your life coming up. You'll trust him with it. If you know God's sovereign and kind, you'll mature. And you'll seek ways to serve even if you haven't done them before. You can trust God. And if you know that God is sovereign and kind, you'll take risks to know non-Christians. You'll step outside your comfort zone because you know God is there and God is good and God is in control so that you can share Jesus with other people. And this is not just true for individuals, each of us. This is true for our church, isn't it? If God's in control and he's kind and he wants to see lives transformed, then we'll make plans, we'll take risks, we'll try new things. New ministries, try new things in the services, We'll change around our growth groups every couple of years. We'll take that risk. Do you see the difference that knowing God's sovereign kindness makes? You'll take initiative. Is there one way 
that you could trust that he's in control and that he's kind and initiate something. Take a risk in your life. Well, it's a very different Naomi, but it's the same old Ruth. She's been sure that God's in control and that God's kind. That's why she came to join God's people. And here in chapter 3, she is even more confident of it. She's just like any daughter-in-law. She does exactly what her mother-in-law says, verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. We read that bit about uncovering the feet, don't we? And we immediately think, how much of his feet and legs was she uncovering? Is this a euphemism, a polite way of something, saying something a little bit more? That's because we're in the 21st century and we watch 21st century movies and read 21st century books. This is not the Hebrew writer and the Hebrew readers trying to say they had sex together in a nice, polite way. What did she do? She uncovered his feet. And why did she uncover his feet? Well, what happens to you when your feet get uncovered in the middle of the night? You get cold feet, don't you? And what happens when you get cold feet in the middle of the night? You wake up, which is exactly what Naomi wants to happen to Boaz. No point being there all night and then him waking up at the same time as all the other men. No conversation had. She wants him to have had cold feet, so he wakes up, he sees Ruth, they talk, and he doesn't get cold feet about marrying her, do you see? That's what it's about. She's confident in taking this risk in what she does, and she's confident in what she says as well. Who are you, he asks. And in chapter 2, she says, I'm a foreigner. I'm not worthy to be your servant, but here it's just simple. I am your servant, Ruth. Spread your wings, it says literally. Spread your wings over me, for you are a kinsman redeemer. Back in chapter 2, verse 12, Boaz said, May the Lord bless you under whose wings you have taken refuge. And so Ruth here is inviting Boaz to be the fulfillment of his own prayer, to put his money where his mouth is, to step up to the plate and marry her. She's confident, isn't she? And it's risky. What if he rejects her? What if he takes advantage of her? Well, how does Boaz react? In chapter 2, he was kind. He knows God's kindness. He shows God's kindness. He provided for her. He protected her and he praised her. He does exactly the same thing here. He praises her, verse 10, for her kindness, her noble character. He protects her, verse 14, by making sure that no one else sees her there. He protects her reputation. And he provides for her, verse 15, by giving her a whole lot of food again. 
What do you do when you know God's sovereign kindness? You show kindness. And blokes, be a Boaz. Protect women. And do not take advantage of them. When Christians are going out, they always ask the question, how far should we go? And usually the man is asking, how far can I go? As far as she'll let me. That's often the answer. And that is not to be the answer. Do you see that in Boaz? He does not take advantage of her because he trusts God. He's generous with his praise. He provides for her. Men need to be the same. It's the same in all relationships, isn't it? When you know God's sovereign kindness, you'll show his kindness. But there's another thing here that wasn't there so much in chapter 2. When you know God's sovereign kindness, what does Boaz do? He shows integrity. There is no doubt at this point, Boaz was already keen, and now he's even more keen now that Ruth has issued the invitation. She has found favour in Boaz's eyes. He wants to marry her. That's what his heart says. But see what his integrity does. Verse 12. Although it's true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Boaz knows what he feels, what he wants in his heart, but he's determined to do what is right. And there is another guy, another man, another kinsman redeemer who's closer to Ruth than him. And he should have first choice. That's the rule. That's what's right. And so what's Boaz going to do? Will he follow his heart or what is right? Will he trust his future to God? Will he trust Ruth's future to God? And you see here, he trusts God with his happiness and with hers. How can he do that? How can he be so sure this is the best thing to do? Because he knows God's sovereign kindness. God brought Ruth to him. As it happened, she turned up in his field. And he reckons he can do the same thing here and make everything turn out just right. Or not. And even so, he will trust God with that. When you know God's sovereign kindness, you can trust him with your future and you'll show integrity. Even when you you might lose what you most want. So in the future, it could be you or it could be your children or your grandchildren and they meet someone and they fall in love. They want them for the rest of their lives and they're sure that they will make them happy. But for some reason, it's not right. The other person is already married. The other person is not a follower of Jesus. And you think, but God brought them to me. He wants me, he wants them to be happy. What if I don't find someone else if I don't marry them? What will you do? 
When you know God's sovereign kindness, you trust him with your own future and with your own happiness. The same could be true of any relationship, couldn't it? Where if you might tell the truth in a relationship, you might actually lose it. To actually talk about Jesus in a relationship with a non-Christian, you might actually lose the relationship. Will you trust God's sovereign kindness? And it's the same thing with our money, isn't it? When you fill out your tax return, uh, your Centrelink form to see whether you're going to get youth allowance or not, you might miss out if you tell the truth. And you could well get away with not telling the truth. Will you trust God's sovereign kindness and do what is right? Is there a way at the moment that you need to show kindness or to show integrity because you trust God's control? When you know God's sovereign kindness, you take initiative. You show kindness and you have integrity. And finally, you'll wait patiently. Look at the end there when Ruth comes back. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Did he pop the question? Did he give you a ring? And then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me three these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. She comes back and she doesn't come back empty-handed. It's a whole lot of food again. It's almost as exciting as last time, but they were hoping for more, weren't they? She is almost engaged. It's sort of a Boaz version of an engagement ring, a big bag of barley. But it's only a promise that he will try to work it out, that he will not let the matter be unsettled. What do they do now? It's either going to be Boaz or some bloke they don't even know. What's Naomi's plan this time? How do they make sure that Boaz doesn't get cold feet at this point? Does Ruth need more perfume? Send him a note? How are they going to put off this other bloke? Make sure he doesn't want to marry Ruth. What do they do? Nothing. Ruth says to do... Naomi says to do nothing. You see, at the beginning of this chapter, when you know God's sovereign kindness, you take initiative. They've taken initiative. They've done what they can. And they now have Boaz's promise that he will not let the matter wait. He will deal with it. But now, what are they going to do? What will they do because they know God's sovereign kindness? They will wait. They will wait patiently. Are you able to do that? You, uh, not just wait for the internet or a parcel to arrive, but wait when you don't know the outcome. When you've sat for an exam and it's really important and you don't know how you're going to go. Are you going to get into that uni course that you want? Are you going to get the job that you want? You're in a difficult relationship with someone, you want it to work, but you don't know how it's going to go. Or you've had a medical test and you're waiting for the result. 
It really matters. It's about you, your life, or about the life of someone you love. And you don't know how it's going to go. Can you wait? How would you wait patiently? Because you know God's sovereign kindness. There's no promise at this point of the outcome. They haven't read the end of the story. But they know God is in control and he has not stopped showing his kindness. If you know that, then whatever it is you face in life, you are waiting, you'll be able to wait patiently. For we have a good father who works all things for our good. Do you know God's sovereign kindness? Is there something you need to wait patiently for? When you know God's sovereign kindness, what difference does it make in everyday life? You take initiative, you show kindness, you have integrity, and you wait patiently. But Ruth is not just a going away and coming back story. It's not just a lovely love story. It's not even a story about what difference it makes to know God in everyday life. This story, Ruth, is about something bigger than that. Someone bigger than that. This story is actually about Jesus. You can tell because it's in the Bible. Verse 1. My daughter... Should I not find a home? No, it says, should I not find rest for you? At the end of the chapter, the same word is there. The man will not rest until the matter is settled today. You say, big deal, rest, home, they sort of mean the same thing. No, in the Bible, rest is what it's all about. When God makes the world... They enjoy the seventh day of rest together. That's life in the garden. And the whole Bible is a, there's the rest, but they've gone away from the rest, and it is a coming back story. In God's sovereign kindness, he takes the initiative to bring us back into rest, into life with him. In the Old Testament, that's in the land. In the New Testament, that's the new creation that Jesus is going to bring. And so Boaz is not just Bethlehem's most eligible bachelor and Ruth really needs to get him. He's the redeemer who will bring them back to rest, back to the land. And he points us to a far greater redeemer who in God's sovereign kindness shows kindness, has integrity and brings us rest. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If we've come to Jesus, then we are now, what, waiting patiently. And not like Ruth and Naomi were, where they had to wait and trust God's sovereign kindness because they didn't know how it was going to pan out. We have a Redeemer who will not rest until the work is done and the new creation is finished and we are in it. We can wait patiently because he is our Redeemer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, Naomi learnt, even in her bitterness, 
that you had not stopped showing your kindness. Father, we pray that we might learn that too and really believe it, whatever life brings. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that knowing your sovereign kindness, we'd take initiative and help us to know how each of us and we as a church need to make plans, take risks, try things because we trust you. Help us to see how we can show kindness to people because you've shown us kindness. And we pray that we would have integrity, trusting you for the outcome and so doing the right thing. And Father, we pray that we would be confident that our Redeemer, our Redeemer Jesus, will not rest until the work is finished of the new creation. And so help us to wait patiently. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.